ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम अज्ञान ज्ञानंजना शलाकाय चक्षुरोन्मीता तस्मा श्री गुरव नम श्री चैतन्य मनोभीष्टा स्थापितन भूतले स्वयं ूपकदाकृपूपतीतनाभावनेश्वासरीगोरभक्तवृंदरेकृष्णकृष्णकृष्णहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेहरेह
possible. In any assembly where there are discourses about saints and devotees, O King Yudhisthira, even the enemies of the even the enemies of the demons, namely the demigods, what to speak of you would cite Pallad Maharaj as an example of a great devotee. Who could list the innumerable transcendental qualities of Pallad Maharaj? He had unflinching faith in Vasudev. So our faith is flinching. You know, like you, um, when you were a kid or even <laughs> more recently, you ever play that game of flinch? Right, where you put your hands like this and the other person puts their hands like that. They try to slap and, you know, you can fake it sometimes and then they flinch, right? So flinching means, you know, you, you, um, you're not always steady. The, the, the faith comes and goes. But Pallad Maharaj, unflinching faith. It didn't ever, you know, he didn't say, why am I putting, being put into so much trouble? Why, you know, why, uh, you know, this boiling pot of oil or throwing off a cliff you know i'm i'm not a bad person why you didn't you know unflinching faith in in krishna mm. uh, he had unflinching faith in vasudev lord krishna the son of vasudev and unalloyed devotion to him his attachment to lord krishna was natural because of his previous devotional service although uh his good qualities cannot be enumerated they proved that he was a Mahatma. He was a great soul. And then 37. Um, from the very beginning of his childhood, Prahlad Maharaj was uninterested in childish playthings. Indeed, he gave them up altogether and remained silent and dumb, being fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness. Since his mind was always affected by Krishna consciousness, he could not understand how the world goes on being fully absorbed in the activities of sense gratification. And uh, I always thought that this was, uh, the, in the translation, Prabhupada doesn't, well, he, he doesn't directly translate it like this, but if you look at that word, Krishna Graha, by Krishna, who is like a strong influence, like a Graha or planetary influence. Yeah, so he did say, yes, Krishna has his, because uh, he's fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness. But so, um, you know, we, we, we have anyone who knows a little bit about astrology or maybe a lot about Vedic astrology, they'll say, you know, the different grahas have different um, influences on us, right? You know, our, our birth lagna and, you know, you know, so many things or, you know, all oh, Prabhu, I'm passing through my Rahu period right now and and this and that. So the, the planets, at least on the, not on the spiritual platform, on the material platform, they, they have this influence. So the influence of the grahas. So, um, so here, what we're hearing is that Prahlad Maharaj, Prahlad Maharaj wants to be influenced by the, he, or he is influenced by the Krishna planet, right? which is totally transcendental to Jupiter and Saturn and Rahu and et cetera, right? Um, so we may be still influenced by all our the different, you know, the, the alignment of the planets at our time of birth, at least to some extent, even though, you know, Nectar Devotion says you clap your hands three times in front of the deities and the lines can change, but we may be, we may still have some influence, um, but not, you know, Prahlad Maharaj was under the graha of uh, Krishna. I always thought that was really when I first heard that years ago, I thought that was really um, inspiring, right? Inspiring. 
Krishna Graha Grihitatma. Grihitatma, whose mind is fully attracted uh, to Krishna. <clears throat> so it's a very beautiful verse, actually. In the purport, Prabhupada writes that Prahlad Maharaj is the vivid example of a great person fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said, and this is a good verse to, to know. It's it's um yeah, it's a very it's an important verse to know. It's in the Madhya Lila. Stavaram Jagamam Deki Nadeki Taramurti Sarvatra Hai Nija Ishtadeva Spruti. A fully Krishna conscious person, although situated in this material world, does not see anything but Krishna anywhere and everywhere. This is a sign of a Mahabhagavata. The Mahabhagavata sees Krishna everywhere because of his attitude of pure love for Krishna. So one sees uh, uh, moving and non-moving things. He does. He sees them, Deki, but he doesn't actually see them. He sees his Ishtadeva, his worshipful Lord, everywhere. So this is a description of the you know highest devotee. <clears throat> and then Prabhupada quotes the Brahma Sanghita, so again, the very exalted consciousness that I worship the primeval Lord Govinda, who is always seen by the devotee, whose eyes are anointed with the pulp of love. He is seen in his eternal form of Shama Sundar, situated within the heart of the devotee. <clears throat> An exalted devotee or a Mahatma who is rarely to be seen remains fully Krishna, fully conscious of Krishna and constantly sees the Lord within the core of his heart. It is sometimes said that when one is influenced by, oh, here we go. So here's the explanation of the stars, you know, uh, or the planets. It is sometimes said that when one is influenced by evil stars like Saturn, Rahu, or Ketu, he cannot make advancement in any prescriptive activity. In just the opposite way, Pallad Maharaj was influenced by Krishna, the supreme planet, and thus he could not think of the material world and live without Krishna consciousness. This is a sign of a Mahabhagwa. Even if one is an enemy of Krishna, a Mahabhagwata sees him at, uh, to be also engaged in Krishna's service. Another crude example is that everything appears yellow to the jaundiced eye. Similarly to a Mahabhagavata, everything but himself appears to be engaged in Krishna's service. <clears throat> so this is, uh, uh, well, this is a, an important point to keep in mind as we, if you recall in my email, which I'm so sorry I sent out so late, I'll, I'll try to avoid that in the future. Um, when we start talking about friends and enemies, which is going to come up a lot in a number of verses, let's keep in mind this definition of a Mahabhagavat and that verse, Tavaram Jagamam Deki Na Deki Um And this is the I, This is how it, it's 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 such an exalted consciousness, and you can see how it says that the Mahabhagavat has to come down to the Madhyama platform in order to preach. Because as Prabhupada, we just read, um, that uh, even if one is an enemy of Krishna, Mahabhagavata sees him to be also engaged in Krishna's service. So there's no one to preach to if you think you're the only non-devotee. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's very theoretical for us 
Um, and so Srila Prabhupada came down from the Mahabhagavad platform in order to preach. And therefore, you know, he would, someone would say, Oh, Swamiji, why are you getting so angry? Where is your Samadarshina? And that's when he would say things like, you know, this is my Samadarshina. You are a rascal. <laughs> you know, it, because he was on the Madhyama, he was, he's, uh, he's helping conditioned souls. So great to be a Mahabhagwat. Uh, <laughs> great to be a Mahabhagwat who comes down to the uh, Madhyama platform. Great to be a Mahabhagwata as we're leaving this world and just totally absorbed in Krishna. It's a very, very exalted consciousness. Any questions, comments on that? Okay. So then, in 38, Prahlad Maharaj was always absorbed in thought of Krishna. Can you imagine? He was always absorbed in thought of Krishna. Thus, being always embraced by the Lord, he did not know how his bodily necessities, such as sitting, walking, eating, lying down, drinking, and talking, were being automatically performed. Um, Prabhupada writes that a small child, while being cared for by his mother, does not know how the needs of the body for eating, sleeping, lying down, passing water, and yeah, evacuating are being fulfilled. He is simply satisfied to be on the lap of his mother. Similarly, Prahlad Maharaj was exactly like a small child being cared for by Govinda. The, necess the necessary activities of his body were performed without his knowledge. As a father and mother care for their child, Govinda cared for Pallad Maharaj, who remained always absorbed in thoughts of Govinda. This is Krishna consciousness. So again, we do have to be, uh, we do have to do some walking to get exercise. Remember, we talked about that, that um, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says that for a yogi, walking is exercise. We do have to be careful, you know, it may be our job to go to the, uh, um, well, in America, it would be a Costco, in Eng England, it might be the Tesco, I think it's called. You know, we have to go shopping for food. It doesn't just appear before us. And we need, you know, some bedding for lying down and water for drinking. And we talk, you know, we're not a Mahabhagavat like Pallad Maharaj. Um, we, we can, we can, Try to develop a little of his consciousness by understanding all these things are coming by Krishna's blessing. So that is, you know, that, that like when we say that prayer, Sharira Avijajal, and we, um, we're thanking Krishna and, and calling out for the help of Courtney Tai for providing this. You know, the, the, in the Christian tradition, that's very much the idea of saying, saying grace before a meal. Um, that one is acknowledging that this is all coming by the grace of the Lord. Sometimes it's obviously done in a perfunctory way, just like, okay, who's going to say grace? Okay, let's eat. But can we also make you that? You know, and okay, the whole time we're salivating while we're saying the prayer instead of actually trying to think of the meaning of the prayer and uh, and being thankful for that. So we can do little things like that to help us at least slightly realize, you know, Prahlad Maharaj's position, but we, we aren't um, uh, always being embraced by Krishna yet in our, at least in my level of Krishna consciousness. But it's a, um, it's so wonderful to think that someone who's totally absorbed like that. And we see that Krishna did that with Srila Prabhupada. He, it was so hard to get out of India in the first place and get all, it was, 
not like today, you know, you just book a flight and make sure you have a visa for wherever you're going. And then how is he going to get to America with no money? And then how is he going to take care? How is he going to eat when he's on the boat? And how's he, and how's he going to deal with the two um, um, heart attacks? And then, you know, what's he going to do with, you know, somebody named Agarwal in Butler, Pennsylvania? <laughs> and you all, I think we all know now, Butler, Pennsylvania is a little town. It's like, you know, it's, it's not even as big as Hagerstown or something like that. Or it's, it's a, it's a small place, you know, uh, in Western Pennsylvania. It's not even Eastern Pennsylvania near, you know, near, um, you know, civilization. And, and you know, and what's he? How's Christian going to take care of when somebody steals his manuscript? And uh, again and again and again, we saw how you know he was in the lap of Christian. Therefore, he prayed, "My dear Lord, uh, make me dance, make me dance as you like." I have no devotion, you know that whole prayer that he said uh, in, in Boston Harbor. Yes. Um, so, some thoughts on this. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Raghunanda Prabhu. Yep. Uh, in one sense, like this is talking about not being in bodily consciousness, right? Uh, yeah. It, I don't pay much attention to it, or I'm not just focused or obsessed only about my bodily needs and my bodily activities. Rather, my consciousness is completely focused on the Supreme Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and in another aspect, um, this, this knowledge is given by Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. He makes it clear that this is what is happening in terms of each one of us living within a material body and performing activities and we are not the doer but basically there are multiple other uh, entities at uh, play even when it comes to us performing our normal regular activities right yes i was uh, what's that verse that says that even one sleeping this thing walk what you know he understands you know that verse in the gita um Understands he's doing nothing at all. Mm, we don't have Suganda with us, who always would put uh, <laughs> quotes in. But anyway, yes, yes. So, so your point, Raghunanda Prabhu? Basically, I was like uh, thinking about those points when uh, we were reading mm. the verse. Yeah, and it's almost like Tatasta uh, Lakshanam and Surup Lakshanam. The Surup Lakshanam is always remembering Krishna. And then the byproduct is something that, and it's a glorification of that because if you think about this verse, verse 38, um, most of us are pretty absorbed in these things, walking, eating, lying down, drinking, talking, etc. And we, and we think about them. Uh, and for Pradmar, you know, the byproduct of his always remembering Krishna is like, eh, these, these, somehow they just happen. They, they go on. <laughs> Um, so he's, he is, he's actually showing us how to be really off a bodily concept of life. And that is not just 
theoretically understanding I'm not this body, I'm not this body, I'm spirit soul, but being absorbed in Krishna and, and then, you know, his, his consciousness is elsewhere. But what we have, and we, and we can't imitate the Mahabhagavat, but we have such a great example in Srila Prabhupada who, who did his regulated activities, um, but it was always remembering. And, you know, we, we take for granted Prabhupada's Krishna consciousness, but if, if you think about all the recordings we have, I don't know how many classes it is. Oh, thank you, Amon uh, Mohan uh, Prabhu, for putting that in there. Uh, he was always writing about Krishna, always chanting Hare Krishna, always speaking about Krishna. It's uncanny that Prabhupada always had a microphone next to him and he was always something about Krishna. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes, and thank you. That's the uh, verse that I was thinking about. A person in divine consciousness, although engaged in seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, eating, moving about, sleeping and breathing, always knows within himself that he actually does nothing at all because while doing these things, he always knows that only the material senses are engaged with their objects and that he is aloof from. So this is a lower consciousness than Prahlad Maharaj, because this is still like, yes, he has to think out the theory. Okay, yes, I'm actually, uh, it's just the material senses engage their objects. And Prahlad Maharaj, it just became totally automatic. It's just a natural byproduct, very, very advanced stage. Thank you. Anything else? Okay, feel free to speak up. All of you great souls, Guru Das, Man Mohan, Ram, Hanuman, Nandimuki, Saradiya, uh, Amanda, whoever son is, Ram, Jay, Rupesh, Ananda Rupa, and Jiva Tattva, Shakshi, Raghunanda, Henry, please feel free. Okay, so. Hello, we'll Krishna Prabhu. Oh, yes. Uh, can I ask a question? Yes. So, uh, looking at, I mean, studying this particular. Um, uh, advanced, actually very exalted um, state in which we are discussing right now about Pailat Maharaj. Is it uh, okay to understand that this in Kali age times one can be in this uh, kind of state during Shuddhanam like we study the three stages in chanting and how purification happens. Do you think that is the stage we are talking about? Can Is it okay? To- I, think, I think so. I think um, you know th- it's a remember how I always you know how I always like to say it's a spectrum. It's not just like you turn on a switch and just one day, oops, pseudonym, you know. But we gradually make our pre our chanting better, better, and better. But yes, we understand that when we are totally connected with the holy name of Krishna, then all of these all of the Yashasti Bhaktir Bhagavati Akinshana, that all the uh qualities manifest in someone. So yes, that and you're right that that is our focus. Uh, is is chanting Hare Krishna senselessly and more than offenselessly with with bhakti with connection with connection to Krishna. Yeah, I was just listening today about um, how Krishna, how uh, Arjuna dressed as a sannyasi <laughs> and stole Subhadra and how Balaram was so upset <laughs> and Krishna pacified uh, Balaram and how he um, he's so inclined, he has so much affection for his devotees and he was showing his affection to Arjuna um, and even, you know, in another place, you know, it's so interesting because in another place, right, Indra 
is considered a total rascal for dressing up as a sannyasi and trying to ruin Prithu Maharaj's last uh, 100th uh, sacrifice. But here for his, uh, his pure devotee, like Arjuna, Krishna shows so much affection for him and even you know, protected him in, in that situation. <laughs> there was a beautiful statement, if I could find it, from the Mahabharata that was describing this. And again, of course, for my service, it was um, so uh, inspiring. Um, let me see if I can find it real quickly. Oh, what? One sec. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, there is no defeat in reconciliation. And that's what Krishna said to Balaram when Balaram and others were complaining to Krishna about Arjuna stealing Subhadra. There's no defeat in reconciliation. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so Sudanam will give us everything. You know, it's we understand from our acharyas and from uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that if we chant purely, then the others, the Nam, Rup, Guna, Lila, the Rup, Guna, and Lila become manifest by the mercy of Nam. Thank you for that, Ananda Rupa Mataji. Thank you, Prabhu. Okay, shall we move on? Please just go off a of mute if you want to say something. So, verse the verse that we are actually supposed to be studying, 39. Because of advancement in Krishna consciousness, he sometimes cried, sometimes laughed, sometimes expressed jubilation, and sometimes sang loudly. Prabhupada writes, in this, this verse um, further clarifies the comparison of a devotee to a child. If a mother leaves her small child in his bed or cradle and goes away to attend to some family duties, the child immediately understands that his mother is gone away, and therefore he cries. But as soon as the mother returns and cares for the child, the child laughs and becomes jubilant. Similarly, Prahlad Maharaj, being always absorbed in thoughts of Krishna, sometimes felt separation, thinking, where is Krishna? So this feeling of separation is, as we know, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the highest mood. It's called Vipralamba or Vipralamba Seva. It's glorified, for example, in, uh, in, uh, in the last two verses of the Nectar of Instruction. And when Krishna is united with the gopis, it's called Samboga. And you need one to have the other, right? You, um, and I think I, I, we spoke about this before, but I'll just repeat the <laughs> one. What I used to, I used to like going to Dulles Airport and pick up devotees or friends, um, and I would get there early and go to the arrive, international arrivals. And uh, probably most of us who are in the DC area have been through international arrivals at Dulles Airport sometimes. And, you know, the anticipation or the vipralumba, the, the separation, people are, you know, very, uh, they're like, who's going to come through the, uh, the double doors when they open? You know, oh, is it my, you know, my husband or my wife or whatever? No, no, it's not them. Oh, too bad. You know, and then finally the Samboga happens and they, you know, they have, they have, they have their, they give the bouquet of flowers or they have a sign or they, you know, all scream out or something like that. But you see the Vipralamba and the Samboga right there. And especially if somebody's delayed, then there's tons of anxiety. So it's a uh, perverted reflection of this. But here, the the childlike, I, I just, uh, 
think it's 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 uh, we we have to deal with this material world sometimes in a very uh, sharp way. You know, we we it's it's Prabhupada you know, was concerned sometimes when the devotees, the Western devotees, were dealing with construction in India, and he was afraid they were getting cheated so much. <clears throat> uh, so we we have to be uh, sharp minded sometimes, and we're, there's a purport that we'll get to a little later where we sometimes may have to even be a little tricky. Prabhupada says in order to serve, um, yeah, and, and and we might find ways to uh, legal ways, hopefully, to reduce our tax uh, exposure, right, and, and to get the best price on on this or that. You know, it's, it's, it, there's cheaters and cheated in this world. Um, but we want to try to, we want to leave that aside when we're dealing with Krishna, when we're chanting his name, when we're reading uh, his holy books, when we're with his deity. We want to try to become very simple-hearted and open to correction and to blessings. Um, and when we're chanting, like Prabhupada said, like a child calling out for its mother. So uh, Prabhupada said to be a lamb, uh, to be a lion on the chase and a lamb at home. So when we're dealing with the world, we may have to be a bit like a lion sometimes to get things done. And when we're um, at home with Krishna, it's a different mood. I remember, uh, I think maybe I told you the story that Prabhupada was in Hong Kong. He's staying at the Park Hotel, which is just uh, like one block away from the present uh, temple. And actually, when I was at some program, I stayed there also. It was kind of cool to stay in the same hotel that Prabhupada stayed at. And he wanted some hot milk. And I can't remember which, which servant went out to get the hot milk. Uh, and, they, and Prabhupada, uh, he came back a few minutes later. No, actually, a while later. And he said, Prabhupada, I'm sorry, but they, they just won't do it. So then Sudama Prabhu, who's a very, at that time he was sannyasi, very big, strong, muscular person. He went out, and about five minutes later, he came back with hot milk. Prabhupada was very happy. He said, how did you do that? He said, sometimes you have to yell. <laughs> so the point was that he was dealing with the material world, and he had to get, you know, he had, well, not that yelling is the best thing, or not the worst thing, but he had to deal with the world and do something to get, you know, something accomplished. But we don't want to be in that mood when we're chanting Krishna's name or something. So that lion on the chase, lamb at home is a very nice thing to think about. And to remember that sometimes it's nice when we come back from work or something, you know, take bath, put on, you know, maybe even put on tilak and you know, sari or dhoti or whatever and, and chant and, and really kind of make a break from, that previous activity, which was more like a line on the chase sometimes when we have to, when we're doing our, our prescribed duties in the workplace and to just, you know, now I'm with Krishna, Hare Krishna. And now I'm more childlike. Uh, some thoughts on that? Hare Krishna, SJ. I actually yes. find this very difficult right now, especially when you're working from home, you know, most of the time when, you know, you're on the laptop all day and then you've got to stop and then reset yourself 
just so that, you know, you've finished work and now you can start your, you know, family sort of life. Yeah. And yeah, so, some, some of my work colleagues, what they do is they jump in the car, go around the block and come back again, mm-hmm. pretend that they've actually come back home from work. But it's, it's really difficult, you know, in, in this current situation. Yes. Um, and I was just, as you're talking, I was just thinking, I've, uh, I've, that's interesting. I haven't heard that. I have heard about a virtual commute. Oh, right. Wow. And, um, you know, so let's say you have a half hour commute. I have a, if I leave at the right time, <laughs> not during rush hour, I have a half hour commute. And usually I'd be uh, listening to a, uh, a Pravachana lecture. So, um, uh, and to be honest, I haven't done this, but I've had colleagues who say they really found it very helpful to do like a virtual commute. So that half hour that you would have spent in traffic, they, they say they do exercise or they do something, right? Not just immediately, you know, so they can kind of, uh, as you're saying, Jay, it's hard, it's, it's hard when everything kind of merges and there's no um, demarcations, yeah. Right. Between this and that. So yeah, it'd be great if we can get it's some kind of ritual that yeah, and, and it's really a problem. I mean, this is a problem in general, whether you know COVID or no COVID, that uh some people have jobs that don't have that demarcation. Their boss is contacting them at eight o'clock at night or six in the morning, or even I had one person uh one leader in my place that you know was contacting people at two in the morning. You know, um, and so it's great if we can work out some kind of uh, an understanding with if we have a boss, you know, if we're not self-employed that, you know, you can contact me between this and this. But after that, I really have another life, you know, Um, but making that demarcation can be really helpful. And you're right, Jay, I think it is hard because, you know, especially if you're at the same desk for working and reading the Bhagavatam (laughs) or or whatever. And it's also good to, um, what, like I have a challenge that one of my challenges is that for me to study and especially to prepare for a class, I really have to do it on my computer because there's not, you know, I do a lot of research and the database is just so much easier than having, you know, all the volumes of books in my room and trying to remember, is it here or here, you know, it takes two seconds to research something on database. Um, but it's tricky because this is the same machine where I answer my computers. Uh, my, I'm sorry, my computer, my email. And it's the same machine where, you know, I, uh, you know, go shopping on Amazon, you know, or whatever. <clears throat> so it's, there's a tendency sometimes, especially when the mode of passion is, is strong to, you know, a little shopping, a little, a little checking out the weather, answer, you know, uh, answer a few emails, do a few shlokas and, go about that and that's that's unproductive and it doesn't have that demarcation that you're talking about jay so if we can control ourselves um we would try to use what they call block time b-l-o-c-k that you know we block a set of time to answer emails we block a set of time to study the shastra we block a set of time to do what else we whatever other things we may need to do and we don't just scurry back and forth and multitask it is, uh, it's a real, real challenge. Um, it, it, it has so many deleterious effects doing that. Um, 
And the challenges, and you know, people that are, let's say, like, uh, let's see, I'm looking at the group here, uh, at least for like you and Amanda and Nandi Muki are young, seeing if anyone else is young. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and so you've been kind of brought up on technology more than a person like myself. So it's even harder for millennials um, to be focused sometimes because they're so used to the multitasking and, uh, and, um, and the instant gratification kind of world. And I'm not talking about sense gratification per se, but and then I'm not talking necessarily here about devotees, but I was just listening to a talk about this the other day that for example, again, this isn't a devotional thing, but let's say if I wanted to go to the movies in the past, I would, you know, open up the newspaper, see what's playing, look at the timings, and then go. And now, no, you just turn on Netflix. And not only that, but you can do, a, what is it, a group movie watch? You can watch it with somebody in another continent or something like that, you know, with, uh, and so everything is so instant um, that it, uh, um, this person was talking about the workplace, that millennials, sometimes they, they're like, you know, uh, a per- they might say, gosh, I haven't gotten promoted. I've been here a whole year. <laughs> or something like that, because they're so used to uh, <laughs> things being like that. Now, this is over overgeneralization. But the point being that I don't know if we seriously enough think about this, about how are we... Well, thank you, Amanda, for your, uh, your expression there. Um, emoji. I don't know if we're if we really do, I mean, we've talked about it in class a few times, and I know I have to do it more, if we really look at our use of technology and we're really seriously seeing how much we're controlled by, by these things, you know, and how often do we look at our phones? How often do, and, and is that ideal? Is that ideal for um, our long-term spiritual benefit, our long-term material benefit, our, long, our health? It's really important uh, for us who have internet connections and usually have uh, phones, I have two, right? Because I have a work one and a personal one, right? Uh, and I have a personal computer and a work computer. So I have, uh, I, you know, coming out of my ears. And I have a Kindle and, you know. Um, are we really being careful enough about not being, um, about how we're using our technology? So, I think I you got a little bit more than you uh, were expecting, uh, <laughs> Jay, on that. But is that all right? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Very useful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, so then let's uh, carry on. Now, I think we're going to the end of this chapter and then starting chapter uh, five. Sometimes upon seeing the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Prahlad Maharaj would loudly call in full anxiety. He sometimes lost his shyness and jubilation and began dancing in ecstasy. And sometimes being fully absorbed in thoughts of Krishna, he felt oneness and imitated the pastimes of the Lord. Sometimes feeling the touch of the Lord's lotus hands, he became spiritually jubilant and remained silent, his hair standing on end and tears gliding down excuse me, from his half-closed eyes because of his love for the Lord. And in the purport, Prabhupada uh, talks about the shikshastika, which um, says something very similar in the prayers of Lord Chaitanya. Because of his association with perfect unalloyed devotees who had nothing to do with anything material, Balad Maharaj constantly engaged in the service of the Lord's lotus feet. So that's interesting. Association helps us constantly engage in service. 
by seeing his bodily features when he was in perfect ecstasy, persons very poor in spiritual understanding became purified. So then people who got his association got purified. In other words, Balad Maharaj bestowed upon them transcendental bliss. So this is almost like the parampara, right? He gets association from unalloyed devotees and engages constantly in the Lord's service. Then others get his association and become uh, get transcendental bliss. And Prabhupada writes at the very end of the purport that a devotee is never contaminated by material conditions, but persons subjected to material conditions can be spiritually can become spiritually advanced and blissful upon seeing the behavior of a pure devotee. My dear King Yudhisthira, the demon Hiranyakashipu tormented this exalted, fortunate devotee, although Prahlad Maharaj, although Prahlad was his own son. Maharaj Yudhisthira said, O best of the saints among the demigods, O best of the spiritual leaders, how did Hiranyakashipu give so much trouble to Prahlad Maharaj, the pure and exalted saint? Although Prahlad was his own son, I wish to know about this subject from you. Hmm. A father is and mother are always affectionate to their children. When the children are disobedient, the parents chastise them, not due to enmity, but only for the child's instruction and welfare. How did Hiranyakashipu, the father of Pilad Maharaj, chastise such a noble son? This is what I am eager to know. Maharaj Yudhisthira further inquired, how was it possible for a father to be so violent towards an exalted son who is obedient, well-behaved, and respectful to his father? Oh, Brahmana, oh, Master, I have never heard of such a contradiction as an affectionate father is punishing his noble son with the intention of killing him. Kindly dissipate our doubts in this regard. So, unfortunately, in Kali Yuga, sometimes we do hear about such things, but you just hear, said, how is it possible? And thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the seventh canto, fourth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Hiranyakashipu Terrorizes the Universe. So now, chapter Isn't five. that... Go ahead. Hare Krishna? Yes? Isn't that somewhat of a... That, that seems like a consideration of a bodily relationship. In other words, King Yudhisthira seems to be inquiring on a bodily relationship. How can a father do this to his son? Um, you know, obvious, obviously, you know, when seen as a father and a son, bodily relationship, and, you know, uh, he's very bewildered that it's so natural well he's bewildered any sense he's bewildered in general but also not bewildered he's surprised in general but also because he does say in verse 44 that uh that he's not only is he just his son he's a pure and exalted saint so how could you know so that that even makes it more so right uh and then he calls in 30 45 a noble son right um, and, and then in 30, 46, exalted son, and who was obedient. So it wasn't just like some, you know, um, like uh, Vena or somebody like that, right? Who, when he was a kid, was, you know, murdering people. But he was well-behaved, respectful to his father, obedient. So 
Um, you know, so it's doubly so. But we understand that, you know, Prabhupada would say that the closest thing to pure love in the material world is a mother's affection for her child. So maybe the father isn't as pure affection as a mother, but still, he's, you know, he's just talking about in generality. He's like, yeah, come on. <laughs> Fathers are supposed to be um, kind. They're not supposed to be like, you know, de- deadbeat dads of today who, you know, have a kid, get divorced, don't don't send any child support. You know, no alimony, nothing. Yeah. Okay. 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 So we're going up to verse five. The great Saint Nardamuni said, The demons headed by Hiranyakashipu accepted Sukracharya as their priest for ritualistic ceremonies. Now Sukracharya, he had these two are his sons, Sunda and Am- Amarka. And they lived near Hiranyakashipu's palace. Vlad Maharaj was already educated in devotional life, but when his father sent him to those two sons of Sukracharya to be educated, they accepted him as their, at their school along with the other sons of the Asuras. Vlad uh, certainly heard and recited the topics of politics and economics taught by the teachers. But he understood that political philosophy involves considering someone a friend and someone an enemy, and thus he did not like. He did not like it. Um, I'll read a little of this purport, just. But we're going to talk about friends and enemies, as I wrote in the email. Is something I really want to make sure we really have a clear understanding of by the end of this class. What is meant by that here? The Prabhupada writes, uh, politics involve accepting one group of men as enemies and another group as friends. Everything in politics is based on this philosophy, and the entire world, especially at the present, is engrossed in it. The public is concerned with friendly countries, right? Like we usually, well, except maybe, anyway, in, in, with the present uh, situation, we consider, you know, Canada friendly. Uh, and friendly groups or enemy countries like, I don't know, Russia, China, whatever, uh, and enemy groups. But as stated in Bhagavad Gita, a learned person does not make distinctions between enemies and friends. So we'll be talking more about friends and enemies later, so I won't highlight that now. So four, my dear King Yudhisthira, once upon a time, the king of the demons, Hiranyakashipu, took his son Prahlad on his lap and very affectionately inquired, my dear son, please let me know what you think is the best of all subjects you have studied from your teachers. So, you know, you look at the beginning of the purport. Hiranyakashipu did not ask his son anything that would be very difficult for him to answer. Instead, he gave the boy a chance to speak plainly about whatever he thought might be best. So remember, um, Prahlad is like four, five years old, maybe six at the most. So, you know, Hiranyakashipu is probably expecting... A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, P, right? Remember, uh, whatever you learned, however you learned the alphabet when you were a child, or, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, these are the, you know, zero, these are the uh, primary numbers, you know, or the three primary colors, or something like really simple like that. That's what he was expecting, you know, from his son. After all, you know, he's just, it was just an affectionate, inquiry you know we might do that also our child comes back from the first day uh, first day of school oh what did you learn today and we're not expecting them to say uh 
um, my dear father, you should uh, take Vanaprastha and get out of this Andukupam. <laughs> you know, <laughs> can you imagine your child saying that in your first day of school? <laughs> For those of us who have children, uh, Raghunandan Prabhu, I don't think your kids said that to you when they first day of school. <laughs> Shakshi Gopal, no, I don't think so. Nandarupa and uh, Jiva Tattva, I don't think so. Um, others have a few of other do. Rupesh has children, yes. Others have kids, yes. No, that's not what <laughs> that's not what happened. But that's what he was expecting, right? That's what he was expecting. That just oh yeah, you know, what's the most interesting thing you learned in school today? And what does Prahlad Maharaj say? <laughs> Satsadumanye suravar asura varyadehinam. He says, Oh, best of the asuras, that's how he calls his father, king of the demons. As far as I have learned from my spiritual master, any person who has accepted a temporary body and temporary household life is certainly embarrassed by anxiety because of having fallen into a dark well where there is no water but only suffering. <laughs> Can you imagine him saying this? One should give up this position and go to the forest. More clearly, one should go to Brindavan, where only Krishna consciousness is prevalent, and should thus take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So he said, my dear father, you should give up this, uh, this andakupam, this uh, blind well of household, of Grihamedi life, and, and take Vanaprastha, get out of this big palace that you think is so important. <laughs> that was uh, not expected by, uh, Hiranyaka, uh, by Hiranyakashipu. So Prabhupada writes, Hiranyakashipu thought that Pallad, being nothing but a small boy, had no actual experience. And he might reply with something pleasing, but nothing practical. Pallad Maharaj, however, being an exalted devotee, had acquired all the qualities of education. One who is unflinched, this is by way of very good verse, if you like to memorize verses, important verse. One who has unflinching devotional faith to Krishna consistently manifests all the good qualities of Krishna and the demigods. However, he who has no devotion to the Supreme Personality of God has no good qualifications because he is engaged by mental con concoction and material existence, which is the external feature of the Lord. So-called educated philosophers and scientists who are simply on the mental platform cannot distinguish between what is actually sat, eternal, and what is asat, temporary. So that's the first part of education, separating those two. The Vedic injunction is asatoma sadgamaha, sadgamaya. Everyone should give up the platform of temporary existence and approach the eternal platform. The soul is eternal, and topics concerning the eternal soul are actually knowledge. Elsewhere it is said, Apasitam Atmatatvam Griheshu Grihamedinam. Those who are attached to the bodily concept of life and who thus stick to life as a Grihasta, well, in this case, really Grihamedi or householder on the platform of material sense enjoyment, cannot see the welfare of the eternal soul. Pallad Maharaj confirmed this by saying that if one wants to. Success in life, he should immediately understand from the right sources what the, his self-interest is and how he should mold his life in spiritual consciousness. One should understand himself to be part and parcel of Krishna and, then, and thus uh, completely take shelter of his lotus feet for guaranteed success. Everyone in the material world is in the bodily conception, struggling hard for existence, life after life. Vlad Maharaj therefore recommended that to stop this material 
condition of repeated birth and death, one should go to the forest. Meaning, you know, um, going to the forest in modern day means, you know, getting um, retiring from our day-to-day jobs and getting more absorbed in our spiritual practices. That may be the practical um, um, application of that today. Unless you want to go to the forest, and um, but I'm, I understand that now some clothes that is made out of tree bark is very expensive. It's very fashionable. I don't think that was the original idea <laughs> um, for the Vanaprastas. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so what a what a surprise! You could just imagine Hirendi Kashipu's uh, shock at hearing this philosophy. First of all, he didn't like. And just hearing philosophy in general. So, um, any questions or comments on this point? Hare Krishna Prabhu, this is Jeev Tattadas. Yes, Prabhu. So here, Prahlad Maharaj is actually identifying why one should go to, you know, one person or go to uh, forest. is by saying that one who is completely embraced by the anxiety of this material world, when he's, who is in material consciousness, Mm-hmm. So one who's going to suffer, you know, so that's also something very important. And he's addressing, you know, his father as the best of the suras, king of the demons. He's not addressing my dear father. <clears throat> because in a way, as Acharya also explained, he's identifying that you have won over the whole universe, but you have failed to win over your own mind, your own senses. So that's also being indicated in the address of this verse. Do you want to further expand on that? Do I want to expand on that? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I think you did a good job. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Um, he's showing that, yeah, it's, it shows, I mean, you know, this, this is the philosophy of, you know, this is, again, part of our philosophy, not, you know, which leads to bhakti that you know this this life isn't the all in all it's 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 very short um in 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 the bigger scheme of things we've come in contact with krishna consciousness which is this amazing opportunity to uh reach spiritual perfection and therefore we should uh use our time carefully now you know bhakti you know we know Different people have said that Bhaktivinoda you know, Thakur says that if a grihasta is a couple is really practicing Krishna consciousness nicely, there's, I think he says, no need for sannyas um, for that person. But the idea of, um, you know, the one th- I think I told you this already, but the one thing I always, you know, told my son ever since he was like five or six years old is that, you know, your job, no matter what, when you grow up is to take care of your mother. Cause I was thinking, you know, I can take, you know, if uh, I, either I will die first or I, you know, I, you know, devotees will feed me somehow or other, but you know, it, it's the son's job, especially to take care of the mother. Um, and that's, that's nice. You know, my wife's not going to be a temple president forever and I'm not going to be a government employee forever. And I have other aspirations in life. And, you know, if I won the lottery uh, today, I would quit my job tomorrow and immediately do uh, full-time service. <laughs> and, you know, and in, in lieu of winning the lottery, um, 
trying to figure out just practically when um, I could practically, you know, retire and, you know, and make sure that there's at least, you know, enough, uh, you know, enough funds for, uh, you, know, you know, taking care of our health and all those things. But, but it's, um, but I, you know, I have my idea that I want to do, uh, get more absorbed in hearing and chanting and doing other services for the, for the Vaishnavas. And that's why, you know, at least in America, it may be different in other countries, but uh, it's sometimes um, good not to put off, you know, being gainfully employed for some time. One can acquire some social security money. If one is smart, they can start saving, setting aside some money every month for retirement. And then they can still be quite young and energetic uh, when their kids are, you know, in college or growing up and they can do all kinds of more service. Yeah. So that's uh, nice. For me, it's a little tricky because I didn't start any job until I was uh, fifth, over 50 years old. <laughs> I did things backwards, <laughs> you know, in that sense. <clears throat> but, but this is the so, – so there may be different practical uh, situations, you know, in England it may be different. Uh, one thing the British devotees here on the call don't have to worry about is um, one of the biggest expenses for Americans – after retirement is health insurance. Uh, it, gets, it can get very high as you get older also. And you, don't have, you have nationalized health, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, you have, maybe have other worries, uh, you know, because just the material world things we were, you know, there's, uh, there's but so we may think practically, but the, the, or the, the focus of our life should be, uh, I'd like to make sure that I can try to leave this world in really deep Krishna consciousness. And that takes some serious effort. And, um, you know, the later years of life are really meant for that. Okay, shall we carry on? Text six, Narada Muni continued. When Pallad Maharaj spoke about the path of self-realization in devotional service, thus being faithful to the camp of his father's enemies, Hiranyakashipu, the king of the demons, heard Pallad's words and he laughingly said, this is the intelligence of children spoiled by the words of the enemy. <laughs> Yorendi Kashipu advised his assistants, my dear demons, give complete protection to this boy at the Gurukul where he is instructed so that his intelligence will not be further influenced by Vaishnavas who may go there in disguise. Because he wasn't thinking that Pallad had, you know, uh, some previous birth heard about Krishna, he was just saying, oh, you know, you know, and he wasn't, at this point, he wasn't too upset. He was just saying, oh, some nonsense, you know, somebody, some, somebody's going in disguise and, you know, um, that's what he was thinking. He didn't realize that Prahlad was this exalted. He was, he was, he was, it was his son. And especially in those days, you know, the apple really doesn't generally fall far from the tree. Right? The, the lines of, uh, of Varnas and things were very much more kind of pure lines in that sense, or impure lines, you know, depending on the line. So he just assumed that Pallad was a demon, that he was just somehow um, influenced by somebody at the Gurukul. And Prabhupada writes, in our Krishna conscious movement, the tactic of dressing oneself like an ordinary karmi is necessary because everyone in the demoniac kingdom is against the Vaishnava teachings. Krishna consciousness is not at all to the liking of the demons of the present age, as soon as they see a Vaishnava dressed 
in saffron garments with beads on his neck and tilak on his forehead, they, they are immediately irritated. They criticize the Vaishnava by sarcastically saying Hare Krishna, and some people also chant Hare Krishna sincerely. In either case, since Hare Krishna is absolute, whether one chants it jokingly or sincerely, it will have its effect. <clears throat> Preachers of Krishna consciousness, this is towards the end, must go forward in their Vaishnava dress or any other dress for the purpose of preaching. Chanakya Pandit says that if an honest person deals with a great cheater, it is necessary for him to become a cheater also for the purpose, for, not for the purpose of cheating, but to make his preaching successful. So this may not, this may be, um, it's so different than 1975 around the time when this was written, but devotees outside of, um, you know, when Prabhupada authorized it for Bhaktisri, everyone wore dhotis and saris and kurtas. And there was a disagreements amongst the devotees because they went to Prabhupada and said, um, you know, can we wear Western dress? And at first Prabhupada said no. And the reason he said no is he was given the impression by some devotees that devotees were dressing like, you know, hippies in a disheveled way, you know, with old bell bottoms and things like that. Henry doesn't like jeans uh, <laughs> um and so he's no he you know he said that he, so then when he was told no the devo- what if the devotees dressed like you know ladies and gentlemen in in you know in in nice slacks and uh, maybe even a tie and ladies would dress nice then 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 he as he says in this purport he he gave that permission and he was he was fine with that um so, but it was a, it was an interesting discussion because some people say, "No, no, you know, uh, um, we're Vaishnavas; we have to dress like Vaishnavas." And that it's so funny because I don't think we, you know, you don't hear that conversation very much these days. As a matter of fact, looking at those of us on on this call, probably most of us, at least when we're at work, wear uh, Western clothes and don't put on um, big tilak and things like that when we go to work. Or maybe some of you do. Um, and I and I told you before that Prabhupada told Peter Burwash you can make tilak with water and put on tilak every day. Um, so, but the, but it's interesting because right? he probably kind of brought it to present day when he said, "Well, maybe they're in disguise," and he's making this distinction that sometimes you can be in disguise for a good reason and sometimes for a not so good reason. <laughs> then sometimes they would joke that devotees were just like to be more acceptable. So they would, uh, instead of when they were going on Singerton, they would put on Western clothes. They'd put on Western clothes, you know, to go to the market to buy some milk or something like that. And then, and then they would be, oh, we're criticizing you, are ashamed of being a devotee, and on and on like that. We In our community here in Washington, we have Anuttama Prabhu, who just love, he goes everywhere in Dodi and Kurta, everywhere. And he just finds it, uh, it starts the best conversations. And he doesn't have an outside job. I guess, I'm sure when he had his outside job, he because he was a self-employed, he had uh, shops in different malls. And I think at that time, um, he wore slacks. But uh, but in general, he, he loves to uh, travel. And so, you know, there's the, in, in Dodi and Korte. And then I've, I've spoke to Naranjan Maharaj, and he doesn't travel in, in Dodi. Um, 
Lungi for Sanyasi. He said, he said he just finds that the, um, he does a lot of international traveling and he finds that it just takes so much longer. They give him a hard time and they want to pull him aside and ask him questions. And so just from that point of view, he, he, he doesn't. So, you know, different slokes for different folks. But it is interesting here that, uh, <clears throat> that Prabhupada turns it around. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we can extrapolate from this that we can be creative and, and use things in Krishna's service. Um, it doesn't come up so much in this part where we just have to be careful how we do it. Um, so we're not compromising our Krishna consciousness. So any questions, comments on this point? Hare Krishna Prabhu, this is Jiv Tattudas. Yes, Prabhu. So one of the things that we have found is, and this is just our observation, it may differ from people to people, that there is no conflict between materialistic or devotees, non-devotees and devotees, let's just say it that way. Because non-devotees are so much attracted by the external appearance, so we you know, dress as per the comfort so that you know, we can be with them, yet at the same time keep our Krishna consciousness intact, but internally, constantly remembering Krishna and engaging in Krishna's service. So again, you know, different slopes for different folks, like you said, mm. it helps to adjust the situation so that we have minimum conflict outside and maximum abiding to the principles of religion inside. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, one time Prabhupada told Partha Prabhu, first dress, then address. So if... Uh, so we should look nice when we're going to work, when we're going, especially, of course, when going to the temple. It doesn't mean we have to put on a tuxedo when we go to work or something like that. But we should look clean, neat. And our clothing should be clean and neat and, you know, not like, you know, uh, what is it? Like, you know, the buttons are all messed up and, you know, something like that. You know, we shouldn't, uh, you know, we should... Uh, you know, first dress, then address. And especially if you're giving a talk or something, or um, you should look pukka, like that. Um, so let us continue, because now we're going to spend the last 19 minutes talking about friends and enemies. I, we may even should have spent more time, but that's okay. Um, the next verse, when Hiranyakashipu's servants brought the boy back to the Gurukul, the priests of the de demons, Sunda and Amarka, pacified him. With very mild voices and affectionate excuse me, words, they inquired from him as follows. Dear son Prahlad, all peace and good fortune unto you. Kindly do not speak lies. Just reply to the truth. These boys, you see, are not like you, for they do not speak in a deviant way. How have you learned these instructions? How has your intelligence been spoiled in this way? So they're very sweet words. They're not getting on his case. right? They're just saying, Please just tell the truth. Be a good boy. Oh, best of your family, has the, this pollution in your intelligence been brought about by you or by the enemies? We are all your teachers and are very eager to hear about this. Please tell us the truth. Balad Maharaj replies, Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, whose Maya external energy has created this, the distinction of my friend and my enemy by diluting the intelligence of men. Indeed, I am now actually experiencing this, although I had previously heard it from authoritative sources. So it was almost like I heard about it. It was theoretical. Now I can't believe I'm actually seeing it. My gosh, it's true what I learned. 
Next verse. When the Supreme Personality of Godhead is pleased with the living entity because of his devotional service, one becomes a pundit and does not make distinctions between enemies, friends, and himself. Intelligently, he then thinks, every one of us is an eternal servant of God, and therefore, we are not different from one another. And Prabhupada writes that when Pallad Maharaj's teachers and demoniac father asked him how his intelligence had been polluted, Pallad Maharaj said, as far as I am concerned, my intelligence has not been polluted. Rather, by the grace of my spiritual master and by the grace of my Lord Krishna, I have now learned that no one is my enemy and no one is my friend. We are all actually eternal servants of Krishna. That's the point. Being under the influence of the external energy, we think that we are separately situated from the Supreme Personality of God as friends and enemies of one another. This mistaken idea has now, has now been corrected, and therefore, unlike ordinary human beings, I am no longer thinking that I am God and that others are my friends and enemies. Now I am rightly thinking that everyone is an eternal servant of God and that our duty is to serve the Supreme Master, for then we shall stand on the platform of oneness as servants. Okay, so, um, friends and enemies. I was trying to meditate uh, on this a little bit because it's, it's an important concept to have because, you know, the natural question might come up, well, don't we, aren't we supposed to have friends in Krishna consciousness? What happened to, uh, what's that verse? Machita, uh, makata, prana, bodhayantas, parasparam, that devotee friends come together and they hear and chant about Krishna together, right? And we talk about the uh, six exchanges of love between devotees. And we hear asat sangatyag, e vaishnavachar, we should not associate with non-devotees. So, what, huh? Well, but Prahlad Maharaj says no friends and enemies. So here he's talking about the idea of making exclusive categories, which, you know, people in this world do like crazy, right? Um, you know, for example, in America, um, uh, Republicans and Democrats or people with this color skin or that color skin. Or we're seeing, you know, this big thing about uh, or what we hear in different parts of the world about genocide, right, where that's my enemy. The, you know, in, in Nazi Germany, the Jews are our enemy, right? Or in, um, um, in Japan, the, the Chinese are our enemy or... You know, it could be, you know, the Biharis are our enemy, but the UP people, they're pakka, they're really good. And, and we do this in terms of sports teams. We do this in terms of someone else, uh, someone on the same committee as us. We, we do it in so many different ways. And we categorize people in, in material consciousness just in terms of like, you know, Hatfield and McCoys or British and Irish or uh, Palestin Palestinians and Jews or Russians and Ukrainians, you know, uh, Pakistanis and Indians, and, and the world goes on and on and on and on like that. So that's what Prahlad Maharaj, and he's seeing it from the idea of a Mahabhagwa that says, no, no, we're all, you know, Pandita Samadarshina, we're all, we're all equal. And, and we should gauge people not because of their birth, but because of their qualities. And otherwise, Prahlad Maharaj would be out of the Bhagavatam. He was born in the in the demons that what we studied with uh Brichasura, forget about him he was born as a demon right we would uh we would be gone with that so that's what we mean so friends and enemies in terms of that di duality and, and and categorizing 
people constantly in that way. And every time someone goes on the internet and they, 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 you know, I'm sure it's the same for our devotees in the UK. Uh, you know, if you're a liberal, you go on MSNBC or CNN or something. If you're conservative, you go on Fox News or something even more um, conservative. And they're always pretty much bad mouthing the other. You know, you see that uh, either either directly or indirectly. And it's friends and enemies. That's different. So that's that's a concept, a different concept, separate is having friendship in Krishna consciousness. Having friendship with a devotee and you know, giving them prasadam and revealing your mind to them and listening to them carefully and giving them gifts and accepting gifts from them and trying to find ways to serve them and, um, and at the same time avoiding people who are inimical to Krishna consciousness or finding some way to, as we heard in the last verse, trick them by giving them a gulab jamun or something. You know, somehow or other, find a way to engage them in Krishna. So that's the same word, friends. But um, I don't even know. But I'd have to check the Sanskrit because we know there's a variety of words for friends in in uh, Sanskrit, right? We studied that before. Uh, there's there's um, surit is one. Does anyone know some of the others? I'm I'm just going blank. Mitra, um, mitra? Yeah. yes, mitra, yeah. Uh, and and one of the acharyas talks about different levels of friendship. And Krishna is everyone's friend, but even though he's everyone's friend, he's especially inclined to his devotees. So it's almost like the dualities in the material world are friends and enemies. The dualities in the spiritual world are, uh, or at least in spiritual consciousness, I you know uh, I have love for my friends, and I avoid the inimical. It's also the difference between the uttama adhikari vision and the majjama. The Majjama is seeing that, making the distinction between innocent, envious, devotees, and Krishna, those four categories. Right? Whereas the Kanishta, the neophyte, the, the not advanced, not so advanced devotee, only, there's only Krishna, and the devotees, eh, take them or leave them. But uh, Majjama worships the Lord, makes friends with the devotees, gives mercy to the uh, innocent, and avoids the envious. And the Uttama sees everyone as a devotee except for me. <laughs> so there's different visions according to. So I hope this is clear. It's, a, it's an important distinction. Uh, and Prahlad Maharaj is speaking so strongly because Hiranyakashipu is absorbed in, you know, Vishnu killed my uh, brother and we're going to get him. And, you know, let's face it, sometimes Indra is like that also, right? So we're seeing that the it's sometimes said that um, from the beginning of of his time we're seeing uh, pure devotion for the first time in, in Bhagavatam and Pallad Maharaj. From the beginning, obviously Vritasura went back to Godhead, but you know as Chitraketu we knew he had some material desires at first, right, and wasn't very self realized, but he became. And, and of course we hear about Narada Muni, so but you know in terms of like a full pastime about just pure bhakti, uh, it's Prahlad Maharaj. And it's so interesting how the Bhagavatam does that. They teach pure bhakti through the eyes of a five-year-old. Through the eyes of a five-year-old. That's uh, something significant there. <laughs> um, okay, so some questions or thoughts on friends and enemies, or frenemies, they sometimes call them these days, right? <laughs> it's interesting, Prabhu, that... Uh... 
few chapters back, Hiranyakashipu is uh, giving this nice gown to his relatives, you know, when his brother passed away, I mean, is killed by the Lord, mm. um, Hiranyak, right? It's almost as like we are reading some very exalted teachings. And now we are, he is differentiating here. It's becoming more and more like we are re- reading more about his demonic nature. He's a demon. <laughs> and <laughs> so, wow. So I'm thinking within the same person, within the same, uh, you know, living entity, it's like good, di- good dog and bad dog. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, know? yeah. And also, um, uh, so, uh, you know, how we practice this life of bhakti, you know, we all carry all these anathas within our heart. And at uh, different times, we behave differently, though slowly, you know, because we are chanting and trying to please Krishna, trying to serve devotees. We are undergoing some purification, hearing to the Shastras, attending these classes. Uh, and then um, hopefully someday, like, you know, we, we will be in a position really where we can have this equal vision. Uh, you know, not that we are looking to find any, and right now, you know, who is enemy or friend, but really that exalted position where we don't experience the dualities and we see everyone mm. as a well-wisher. We are a well-wisher to everyone. <laughs> Very nice point, Mataji, about Hiranyakashipu uh, um, was, you know, giving such great philosophy just a short while ago. Um, I think that's, there's an instruction there for us, isn't there? We remember we were talking about unflinching at the beginning of class and we flinch. Right. Uh, you know, our bhakti doesn't, uh, often isn't that deep. And so something happens akin to our son preaching the wrong philosophy. You know, something happens in our life and we, um, we, we don't take shelter of Krishna. We, 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 we do other things. We find other shelters. Now, of course, Hiranyakashipu is a special person in that sense. But, but it is, I, I think we can apply this to our own life. We can speak really, really good philosophy and then act completely in a different way. <laughs> five minutes later, right? So the challenge is to um, bring together our behavior along with what we know is right. And that, that's the work of bhakti in one sense, to, um, to close that gap between what we know we should be doing and what we actually do in, in our life. So thank you very much for that, um, that observation. Yeah. There's also enemy in the sense of um, for devotee being able to distinguish who is not good association. Nice. Uh, we respect everyone uh, who has uh, uh, turned his face towards Krishna. That's a sign of intelligence. But we also are asked to distinguish between uh, devotees who and uh, enliven or further our Krishna consciousness versus those who um, are devotees, but they're setting a different example. Yes, so we respect everyone. That's the very, like you're making a point, that's very important. The, that's the pratishta or the basis uh, respect. And we even show respect to non-devotees, um, all living entities. And... We may give our association to people who are less advanced um, to help them. Um, 
and we really try to soak up the association of those who are more advanced and we become try to have deep friendships with those who are our peers real friendships where you can reveal your heart to them and and know that they won't put it on facebook five minutes later or whatever like that um so yeah so there's these different ways of dealings with equals um well so you know juniors and seniors and no and like you're saying Prabhu that's it's important to understand the which is which <laughs> and that's a sign of the intelligence yes spiritual intelligence of course, given- maya maya is every devotee's enemy yeah although we, we tend to think of her sometimes as our friend but yes that's right <laughs> very good um so what we since we have four minutes, we might as well just finish the last two verses that we had for homework. Pers- uh, in 13, persons who always think in terms of enemy and friend are unable to ascertain the super soul within themselves. Not to speak of them, even such exalted persons as Lord Brahma, who are fully conversant with Vedic literature, are sometimes bewildered in following the principles of devotional service. The same Supreme Personality of Godhead who has created this situation has certainly given me the intelligence to take the side of your so-called enemy. <laughs> what a statement from, from Prahlad Maharaj. And then finally, O Brahmana, uh, Brahmanas, he's talking to his teachers, as iron attracted by a magnet stone moves automatically towards a magnet, my consciousness, having been changed by his will, is attracted by Lord Vishnu, who carries a disc in his hand. Thus, I have no independence. He's just saying, listen, I'm a natural devotee. What can I do? I can't, I can't stop myself. You know, I, I, can't, I can't stop myself. I just, I like Lord Chaitanya, um, his, his time with Gopal Guru that he was out in the field, you know, um, so-called evacuating. I don't know, the Lord has to evacuate, but, uh, and he came back holding his tongue. And the devotee is saying, why are you holding his tongue? Why are you holding your tongue? And he said, well, because I can't stop chanting, her, chanting Krishna's name. And, you know, I'm doing this, you know, I'm doing this dirty activity. I shouldn't do that. And Gopal Guru, who was, again, a five-year-old boy at the time, his name was Gopal at that time, said, this is not the right philosophy. And he corrected Lord Chaitanya. And he said, the holy name cannot be contaminated in any situation. And Lord Chaitanya was very pleased with him. And he said, from now on, your name is not just Gopal. It's Gopal Guru. You are my spiritual master. So. This is um, in that mood that he just couldn't stop. <laughs> Prabhupada writes, for iron to be attracted by a magnet is natural. Similarly, for all living entities to be attracted towards Krishna is natural, and therefore the Lord's real name is Krishna, meaning he who attracts everyone and everything. The typical examples of such attraction are found in Vrindavan, where everything and everyone is attracted to Krishna. The elderly persons like Nanda Maharaj and Jashoda Devi the friends like Sudhama, uh, Sridham, Sudhama, and the other cowherd boys, the gopis like Srimati Radharani and her associates, and even the birds, beasts, cr- uh, cows and calves are attracted. The flowers and fruits in the gardens are attracted. The waves of the Yamuna are attracted, and the land, sky, trees, plants, animals, and all the living beings are attracted by Krishna. This is the natural situation of everything in Vrindavan. So what a good way to stop. We'll stop by thinking about Krishna in Vrindavan with his devotees. 
And we will see you, Krishna willing, all next week. Panchakalpa Thrubhyascha, Kripa Sindhubhyevacha, Kitanam Bhavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namunamaha. Thank you so much for being here today. And have a very uh, pleasant week. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.